What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another awesome Racing for Recovery podcast. We had to improvise for this one today. I have Emily, I got to call you Vandermeer. I'm not used to to that. Oh, man. (laughs) Emily Vandermeer is here, Racing for Recovery employee and awesome person. I'm glad you're doing this. This is going to be cool. How are you? Nervous. Why? Because I'm not asking the questions. (laughs) Well, you can ask me something if you want. You don't have to, but uh, I'm going to start with this. How how does it feel to be alive? Free, um, bliss, peaceful, um, grateful, and just present. How did you find us? Yeah, so that's kind of a funny story. Um, I was familiar with the triathlon race um, a little bit. Uh, I had never done like an Ironman or anything. Um, at that time, I was six months away from my sobriety date, and I was signed up for the Racing for Recovery triathlon that ended up getting canceled uh, for whatever reason that might have been. Now, I thought Racing for Recovery was a race. <laughs> that was it. I didn't know anything about it. Um, I believe, I think I, ha- I had earned myself two DUIs um, between where at that point and I um I just I was doing I was doing races but it didn't mean anything the way it does now in my sobriety and that was the first time I'd heard the name racing for recovery but I didn't think anything of it um at that time and then on um November 14th I woke up with my third DUI and I knew I was done and hadn't looked back have not looked well I shouldn't say hadn't looked back didn't go back to that behavior I looked back in order to heal um, 10 months into my sobriety, uh, I finally got served the much needed um, sentencing of um, five days in jail and 10 days at work release and then 45 days on an ankle monitor. And it, amidst those uh, time, time away, time incarcerated, somebody um, in work release was telling me about how I should really check into racing for recovery because I love to run and um, I want to be healthy and I'm hardcore set on sobriety and that I'm doing this no matter what. And so as soon as I was out of work release, I made my way to my first racing for recovery meeting at the church in Sylvania. And you weren't there that day, um, but I went to the very next meeting um, and that was they that the very next uh, I think it was I want to say it was a Thursday night but it was in the basement I remember and it I it, I was home it fit like a glove the way you spoke about self-love and that this 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 concept of I have a choice in the matter was incredibly freeing um, and that's how that's how I found you and when I read, I was reading the books. Um, I got the, 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 the day in the basement. I bought both of the books. And the next morning or, or two, I was on the elliptical at home. And I read the, just the very first paragraph. And it was so freeing to know that as long as I was owning the destruction that I was causing in my addiction, I get to own the good stuff too. And from that day forward, so that's when I was sober, sober. Wow. I remember you, you know what's funny? I can hear your voice (laughs) 
it's like yeah. you're all nervous and I stuff. So it's am. funny. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna beat you up today. Uh, I remember you coming in. It was that we were in the basement that night, but the next week when we were upstairs and you were playing the piano yeah. and stuff, and one of our lifestyles using arts and music and everything. Um, you banging in there playing piano and stuff. What has music done for you? How has music been a part of maybe in your former life, but what's it, what's it like now to have music in your life? Oh man. Um, there are some songs that I can't, like if I listen to, I will cry and it's not out of like sadness and things like there's some of that too but like it just touches your heart and you can feel you just feel you feel it all and um i think every time i'm doing some sort of like endurance training run or even a, a long run in a, in a race I, I that's when tears come i like allow myself to to feel it um and it's so it's just so awesome because i've been able to kind of share that with my kids and one of my favorite things recently that happened is um, Hayden sent me a, a video message of him playing the ukulele along to like one of his one of the songs of one of the artists that he likes. Um, you won't know who it is, so I'll just skip that. But <laughs> I was just so impressed, and I just uh, putting some you know earbuds in my ears or going to a concert. Um, some of the most amazing memories um for the first time ever i crowd surfed with my husband we went to a pierce the veil concert and i've never i had never done anything like that before i've been to concerts before when i was drinking i couldn't really re remember much from it but um just the self-expression and the when you're like at a concert or you're listening to music with friends or you're watching your son um do his solo ensemble um and, and performing like just just the the just the purity with it mm -hmm. it's just so awesome so let let me ask you this what what have you maybe been taught as a kid or um thought as a kid how have you overcome those thoughts and how has racing for recovery helped you create new thoughts? Mm -hmm. You know, i.e., how have you overcome trauma? Well, that's a that's a really really good question. Um, so, I grew up in a very um, bubble like upbringing. Um, I I grew up with very loving parents, extremely caring parents, but. Um, I could what I could there was not a lot of um, freedom to explore ask questions about the universe I mean all kinds of things like that um, <clears throat> being able to man this is such a good question when I when I look at the 10 lifestyles and really implementing that into my everyday life that allowed me to because I didn't share this before, but the first 10 months of my sobriety, I was doing the 12 step thing and following the instructions and doing as I was told. And it, it, I mean, it, it was helpful because it, I had a couple of, of friends that I could talk to that I knew, but I knew it wasn't enough. Um, and 
I remember something that you shared with me or with a support group meeting, I think, and it was, you know, you had said something to the tune of racing for recovery isn't for everyone. And I don't know if you remember this, but I sent you, I think, a text message or something along those lines of, you know, with so much respect, I want to challenge your your comment on that because it is for everyone. It's totally for everyone because you created these lifestyles that helped you forge your own path. I got to create this life that I have, first of all, had to learn to believe that I deserved. Um, Things happened to me um, that shouldn't have. Um, Things were, I was taken advantage of in certain ways that should not have happened. And one of the things that Racing for Recovery has helped provide me is the ability to look backwards, not with self-loathing, blaming myself, which I did for years, um, and not to blame my parents or you know, the, the religious upbringing that I had, not to look at those things as with blame, but rather there's so much good that came from that, but also a sense that, man, my parents did the best job that they could. And what happened to my parents that this is, that these, these things, you know, took place or, or whatnot. And just the freedom to create a life for my kids that gives them permission to question everything, especially things I'm telling them, because my job is to keep them safe. And if they're always safe, they're not gonna get hurt. If they're, not, if they're always safe, they're not gonna try new things. Um, and I just want them to know that no matter who they are, or what they become, or what they decide to be passionate about, that they are unconditionally loved by me. You're doing a good job. And I'm guiding you through yes, those questions. So <laughs> here's an, here's another thing. How has all this stuff that you're talking about here, now that you're a licensed clinician, how are you now taking those benefits and helping other people see the mm-hmm. same thing for themselves? Tell people what that's like to be able to take all this stuff now and transfer that into helping someone else do it. Um, so this is something that you taught me. Um, like you having the confidence to talk on things that, you know, uh, the world, our society says, shh, we don't talk about that. Um, and, and saying it out loud, like you battled an addiction, you dealt with suicidal thoughts, you deal, you know, these things that, that are, are hushed, you have helped pave the way for me to be able to do the same thing for myself. And that I'm just I'm just passing that message on to other people and it sounds so simple but that's really what it is I try to talk I try to talk to people with my heart in the sense that the lessons that I've learned are these are not things I need to be ashamed about um, and and in fact these are the things these are the things that for a long time I thought were the ugliest parts about me and now I understand that these are the most beautiful parts and to surround myself with people that love me not in spite of the things that are wrong with me, but the, because of these things that are other people say are wrong. And um, that's my, really my wish, is that if anybody has been given um, a, some sort of belief system about themselves, whether it be religious or cultural or whatever, 
um, the way they look about themselves, whatever they think that they are, that is true about them, question it. Cause maybe it's not, maybe that's not your story after all. Maybe that was a story that was given to you. I have a lot of stories that was given to me. And as I continue to stay sober, I'm learning new ones every day, every day from the people I get to work with that I have the privilege to get to work with here. It's interesting when you, the way you're talking, I think of somebody who's coming into our program, I don't like saying program, who's coming into racing for recovery. That's not the norm. You come into it like rehab and it's, you're told what to do. You're told what to think. You're talking just about this negative stuff. No one's uncovering the reasons why you're doing this and there's no real path to freedom. And it, as you're talking here today, I just, listening to you, I think of how freeing your life is now. Did you, did you ever think in that first meeting in the basement that you would be such an integral part of what we do here? I, I knew I felt at home that I belonged rather than fitting in, I belonged. Um, if, if you were to tell me, you know, six years and some change that I would have earned a master's degree, two licenses, and was gonna be a therapist here for Racing for Recovery, I'd be like, these guys are still smoking crack. Right. <laughs> right. Nope, I would never, never even, I would, I would even go as far as to say even a month later, um, it really started to come to life when you asked me to help um, like develop the run walk meeting we have mm -hmm. at, at Wildwood. Mm -hmm. And I remember the first meeting, it was me, you, and Matt. <laughs> and like snow up to my knees. And yep. you guys were like bullets. I'm like, where did they go? <laughs> um, and then, you know, it just kind of like, you know, no pun intended, but snowballed from there. And um, getting to just to, to participate and, and help out with support group meetings. And, you know, make my mistakes along the way to which you, you know, helped me see like, really just a ton of life lessons that that helped me again belong I never had to put away any part of me in order to be here I the weirder the better <laughs> absolutely well I want to I'm going to give you some kudos because I think of you know the the Cleveland book and what Margaret has done with respect to turning our Cleveland book into an IOP program which really has been the catalyst of everything we're doing out here at the, our facility but you developed the workbook to go along with that. And now you're almost done with the new workbook mm -hmm. for choices and consequences. But those are the things that you've done. I didn't do them. I had no idea that we could do those things. So how has it been for you to just use you and your brain and everything you're learning here and turn that into tangible things that are now, people are using that workbook every day in here. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, I just really look at it as I have I feel like I really do. I feel like we all, every single person that's a part of Racing for Recovery has some sort of gift or skill or talent. Um, and there are certain things that I, I just, I don't have, like mm -hmm. writing a book. I have absolutely no desire to sit down and write a book, but to help someone understand it and apply it more in their own life um, and ask the, the tough questions that, really you are asking in those in those books that helps us self-discover um and how to like 
put it into I don't know like put it into a, a tool I have I have that skill set and I just I get to use it here and I'm grateful to be able to be able to do that um, it's not like something that's like in a typed up job description and has to be all but this is something I genuinely like enjoy um, it's not it's not and it's so wonderful because I met my husband here as you know and he absolutely embraces and maybe a little bit tolerates the fact that I do a lot of stuff at home but it's because he knows how much I love it mm -hmm. and like one of my favorite things are you know Chase my seven-year-old is walking around looking for his book and he sees a book up on the mantle it's like mommy is that choices and consequences or is that my book I'm like yes it's <laughs> awesome you just said something that is so applicable about knowing what we can do and what we can't do and it's like you 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 don't want to write a book I, I have no desire to or knowledge how to create a workbook and it's so funny like I know you'll laugh at this like some of the things that you've said that are what I wrote that I have no idea <laughs> that I, I'm like that is awesome and you're like you wrote that but it, it's like it's the give and take that we both have that those workbooks I look at those and the questions you ask the groups that you're running from the book I'm like I, I don't know how to do that. I don't run a workbook off of the book that I even wrote. But again, that shows that it's okay. You know, we're, we're both been willing to learn from each other and other people and find out what we're good at, what we're, we're not good at, ask for help and make it work for the betterment of all, you know. That is funny though, you wrote that. <laughs> Really? That's right. the best. That's right. probably one of my favorite memories is coming to the support group meeting and showing you, I think I showed you, either I showed you the tattoo or I showed you a picture of it, but the, the quote from chapter five about the treasure of sobriety. And you're like, yeah, that's great. I'm like, you, that's from your book, dude. <laughs> you're like, I gotta read that thing. I'm like, I love that when you say that. I still that. say that, you know. <laughs> so let me let's talk about more of the the involvement you're here what has what was difficult for you waiting your time because i know how you are you're like me i want it now i want it now and be i know you'll be honest but i want to know like how difficult that process was because it's been an interesting journey and oh, i know yeah. that must have been hard at times really hard um really hard i'm glad you asked me that um yeah, there, I even had a, a funny, not really, I guess I don't know, funny conversation with Matt. Like, I mean, I, we talk, I talk about these stories all the time. I love narrative. That's what you, that's what you, you've done for us. I'd love it. I see like hindsight that, that rearview mirror is there for a reason. Um, I see those stories I was telling myself, like just absolutely parallel universe concoction of like, well, this must be why I'm not there yet, or this must be. And I just like formulated just the most absurd stories. And when I think it was you or Bieber, somebody texted me about coming coming over and, and, and having, having just a chat. I was like, Quentin, maybe this is it. Like he could tell like my, like this, I was, you know, um, so it was, it, it was hard. Um, all kinds of emotions but one of the the number one things to me I think I learned in this process is that and this is something that I do I feel like I am frequently reminded by Quentin Matt you that to like take a step back take a deep breath if I'm trying to control something or be in charge of something and that's just my nature um, that I, I'm working to change 
if I take a step back and take a deep breath and like let go of my concept of what I think it is, when it finally comes like to fruition and think things actually fall into their place, it's 10,000 times better than what my thought process was. And that has been the, the, the truth for me. I can't even tell you how many, more, how many times, the broken hearts I've had, the, the marriages, plural, that I have had, but that have led me to the one I have now. Like, it's just incredible. And it's like, I know this, so it, what's happening now as I mature, um, I, know I hate that word, but because I'm getting older, but I'm maturing a little bit, and where I can catch myself, like, ah, oh, I'm doing it again. I need to let go, take a deep breath, and remember that everything's, everything's happening exactly how it's supposed to. And it really was the entire time. It's interesting. I, I remember it's not to say it's God's will, but I, I guess it is, or somebody up there. Um, maybe it's Jimi Hendrix's will. I don't know. <laughs> but you look at you, Matt, and I have all rendezvoused where we're supposed to be. Yeah. If you recall years ago when you guys were coming to me with another opportunity and I, I was listening to you guys and I'm listening and I'm listening and I remember thinking, this is, it's, no, it's, it's not right. right. And I was trying to see it from your guys' point of view, which I respected the drive you guys have. It's like, it's, we can do this, we can do this. And I remember, I don't even know if you remember this, but I remember asking you, what are we going to say when the phone rings? Right. I'll never forget that. Right? And you were like, well, what difference does it make? We can still do whatever. And I'm like, that's why we're not right. ready yet. You know, and it was frustrating for me too because mm -hmm. we all wanted this. We all wanted it, but it just wasn't the right time. Right. And I think of that now. Can you imagine the phone ringing oh. here and we answer it another name <laughs> in hopes of them getting to us? Right. And these are the things like that I was trying to get you guys to see, but mm -hmm. I understood you couldn't see them at the time mm -hmm. and that was okay. You know, and I just had to, we both had to keep being frustrated with it, not being yeah. our time yet, you know, but look now that we have it, it's m so much more appreciated. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. It kind of was one of those moments. There's definitely a, a pivotal moment where it, this, it's the same thing of, if you were to give me your years in sobriety, it wouldn't mean the same. It right. wouldn't, I couldn't, I wouldn't know what to do with it. It's the same thing. You had years of building this and I was what, a year to, not even. And so, um, you know, this, it, it was, it was a parallel drive, but like it, it, it really was, one of the things that I had learned was you are used to saying, I think I may have told you this when this, this building first, oh no, I know I, I know I did. Um, I sent you a, a sort of a long text message. I sort of do that to you, send you novels yeah. of text messages. And um, it was the night, the, the day after the very first support group meeting in this building. And I just like, it's weird to say like, I'm proud of you, but I think I said something to that tune. And it was for accepting all the no's that you've had mm -hmm that you've 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 accepted all the way up until this point and how many knows that you also told other people and that is patience and yeah someone remind I always say like oh I don't have any patience and I really I mean that's one thing I really struggle with but one person um recently challenged me when I said oh I have no patience like joking around maybe to a client that said that they needed help with this and um she said, well, if you can run 100 miles, you have patience. 
And I'm like, oh, I guess I, I guess that's kind of true. She said, you, she said, you have patience with the things you choose to have patience with. And wow. I'm like, There's that word again. Choice. Well, and again, being <laughs> open-minded to learn from from others. You know, people, and I don't like call them clients. The people that we're right. fortunate enough to work with. Yeah. You know, they're coming in for our help. But some of the times, the most profound things that we hear as a staff learn come from them yeah absolutely some of the ideas look at the painting stuff that you're doing with people that wasn't like our idea that came from people who were coming in here talk about that like the painting group you're doing what's that like that has been incredible i think without fail i when a first per when when a person comes into that art group for the first time ever every single time almost like right on cue oh i i can't draw i'm not an artist i'm not creative every single time i hear that and so i kindly remind them well number one this isn't a class i don't know anything about art other than this is an expression of yourself so frankly you're the only one that can do you so put it on the canvas and it's just that freedom to 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 put how they feel maybe a quote um some incredible things have come out of our awesome people here and put on canvases and I'm, I'm really looking I've got a really awesome collection so far um when we set up the art wall it's going to be fantastic and yeah, we got to get them up I, I think it remember when you were talking about Tim who had the confidence to start painting and was expressing I don't know if I should do this and then he did it and how cathartic it was for him and how many other people like wow yeah. dude that's awesome yeah. and you know I took Kelsey with me to a, a oh, talk yes. that I did, mm-hmm. you know, and she had a backpack full of all of her art stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, that's incredible. Good. Don't yep. listen to me. Paint something while I'm up there. You know, it's, yeah. I love that stuff. Where do you see us going? Like, where do you really see this thing that we have here? What, where's it going to go? Um, global, international, lots everywhere. Um, it's needed. It's needed. If that's not one thing that I learned in in my schooling, every like strengths based approach, every um, you know, just theory, whatever, whatever, every single thing that I learn, we are implementing here. And I can say that with reverence. Like there is looking at the looking at the for the solutions rewriting your story examining your past and and understanding what led you to act on a certain you know thing here we are implementing that and so i've in my um in the, the college i went to for my master's degree i've maintained friendships um across the country uh because it was an online thing so it's like a 14 screen skype type of class all of them. I wish I lived there so I could work with you. I mean, I, I send them all of the, all of the, uh, the stuff I'm allowed to send them. I can't send them the stuff you, you say that's not public yet, but like our commercials, um, the, you know, being able to watch the, the meetings on live stream, they have access to all of that. And there's nothing where they live, whether it's Oklahoma or, you know, Wyoming, California, Idaho, there's, there's such a need. There's such a need. You know what I love about you being with us is you have the same type of pride that I have in this thing of ours. Is it's that it's there, you know. I mean, I've always I'm like, are you my sister that I never <laughs> knew about? You know. Um, what else do I want to 
ask you. So with cognitive behavioral therapy, let's use some clinical stuff. <laughs> how, how are you using that here with our people? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. It's almost kind of like, this is, th these are the things that we do here just organically, just very authentically. Um, it's, it's not like, okay, now we're going to do a worksheet. It's nothing like that. Um, it's the genuine moments where someone shares something that they think about themselves or they think how to handle like problem solves in a relationship issue or whatever, how, how to raise their kids, um, how to not use drugs. These, these, when they, when they talk to us about the way that they think, which leads to the way that they feel, which leads to how they behave. Um, it's just a simple moment of, have you ever stopped to ask if that's like actually true or how is that helping you? And like really like walking through, well, what about like the other side of that coin? Um, whatever, whatever it might be. And because we sometimes can be so like laser focused into just believing a certain, a certain thing, whether it's, I'm not good enough or um i'm hard to love or whatever these these things might be i mean there's so many a plethora as you would say <laughs> of these things that people just are, just say all the time i feel blah 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 i think this blah 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 and it's like catching that like hang on let's stay in this moment for a second and is this helping you build this awesome sober healthy happy holistic life that that you're working so hard to have or is this something that's putting it at risk or damaging it or taking away the peace that you want in your sobriety. And it's just take, like taking moments, just like kind of stopping and like unpacking it with them. So what, do you, what would you say to clinicians around the globe that don't know about our treatment modalities here? What would you say to them that they don't know about us that would actually help them in their practice? So our support group meetings are live and they're free. So if you don't currently play like the record, you know, play the, I mean, they're all recorded as well on YouTube. So, and YouTube is free. So if you have like uh, some sort of way to put up a screen and press play, be a part of the support group meeting. It's where it all starts. That's where you get to see how we are different. And it's not all about running, but I will say, move your body. That's how you get to feel it. Yeah, that's one of the biggest misconceptions. Oh, it's all about running. And it's like, no, but movement of any kind right. is, right? It's essential for mental, emotional, spiritual, social Absolutely. wellness, right? Um, what else do I want to ask you here? What do you think are our biggest obstacles? Hmm. What are the biggest challenges that we have around here? Yeah, that's a good question, too. Um, man, we have so many people that are trying to get in. Um, I hate, I hate even sometimes saying this, but it's like, we have to slow down cause there's, we just can't, it's, it's, it's not, I'm not going to say can't cause we don't, we don't, we don't use that word here. <laughs> We're creating ways to make it so we can say yes to everyone that needs in. Um, when I say in like here, treatment wise as well. Uh, Meaning, I mean, everyone's welcome to our support group meetings and all of the other stuff. But I think Ariana said the other day that like 40 people called to get in. I'm like, wow, that's that's mm. 
two IOP rooms like that we just yeah there's just so there's there's so much hurt out there but there's so much beauty and so much healing and I it doesn't surprise me that people want to come here because it's so positive and it's so you know they they always say hurt people hurt people mm -hmm. well Healing people heal people too. That's right. And that's what that's what we have here. There's an absolutely other side of that. Healing people help other people heal too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know this, and I've said it a million <laughs> times. This is about care first and business second. And I'm not willing, and none of us are willing to put, you know, quantity over quality. No way. Right. I'm not. We're not going to be like a like the norm. Yep. We're not doing it. I'd rather have what we have and let the people that come here, you know, we, we talk about this a lot. This is not the place if you just want to lay down and put your feet up somewhere. This is not it. It's not for you. Mm -hmm. It can be for you, but you got to come in here willing to do some work because you're going to get the results out of it, right? Right, 100%. I hear sometimes, um, you know, those that are not, not exactly, I'm going to use a clinical term, engaged, not quite there. And they'll say things like, well, I just don't feel like I fit in. Well, here, we don't encourage you to fit in. We want you to belong. Fitting in means we take parts away from ourselves so mm -hmm. that way we can be accepted. Here, we are unconditionally accepted, but we have to do the work to belong. If you're not up and active and doing things, and it doesn't have to be, if, if you try something and you don't like it, I always encourage my seven-year-old, if you try new foods, try at least two bites because the first one you're already expecting is going to taste gross. On the second try, maybe you actually might like it. So try something, but try it twice. If you, don't, if you didn't like swimming for the first time, well, did you decide that before you jumped in the pool? Mm -hmm. Same thing. And it's not just all about the exercise as well. We have a music room. We have art. There's so much that, we can, that, that you can do. If someone says they're bored... <laughs> I'm like, don't say that around me. Right. <laughs> I'm going to make you go run with me. <laughs> what is that? Bored? Yeah. I mean, how can you be bored around here? Yeah. What else do you want to talk about? Is there anything on your mind that you want to discuss that we haven't covered? I mean, anytime I have the opportunity to get you and ask you a question, I always want to learn like how I can help grow, how I can help um, just be that much more effective or productive. What would you say is like one thing that like I could do a little bit better or even improve on? There's nothing. I mean, some of the things, I guess this is relevant to, this is called support. I think of the, the things you text me and are teaching me or the things you're willing to do that I don't necessarily want to do anymore because I'm doing other things. That is the biggest relief. I mean, we've known each other a long time. I did everything with this for so long and it was it was wearing on me. And now it's like, I don't have to do those things. You and Matt say this to me all the time now. It's like, you can do whatever I want. And I, I, I still have a hard time grasping that, but I gotta thank you and Matt because it's so relieving that I don't have to do a lot of stuff that I can just do this. I mean, I did a speaking engagement today and I'm doing four podcasts and IOP and then running a support group meeting. That's right. not work. I don't, I, you know what I mean? I just, I don't have to do stuff and I'm, I'm, I don't worry about what you guys are doing. I'm confident in what you guys are doing. I'm appreciative of what you guys are doing and we're going to build this racing for recovery thing the right way productively to help more people. And I'm just, thankful for what you're doing. That's awesome. You know, 
Yeah, I like I like when Matt and I will sometimes say like, "Does Nikki Six have worry about this?" No, he's got people to do that That's for right. him. <laughs> right, using the Motley Crue reference, right? right? <laughs> um, well, let's talk about them. Like, you, Matt, and I went to see them before, yep. um, and now we're going to go again this summer. How do you look at us going down there to see those guys again this summer, taking yeah. some of our clients? And I thought stuff, about right? this. This is such a cool thing I can't even put well I can put into words I'm always can put things into words um the first time I was the big eyes like you know like oh my gosh like I just and the whole like what Tommy did on the the upside down roll like what it was just mind-blowing um and to be able to experience that with both you and Matt was out of this world I am so looking forward to seeing the big eyes were taken with us yeah. And the feeling that like you, it's, you just feel it. It's just, it, I can't wait. I can't wait to see their faces. You know, I, uh, Nikki six or Tommy, if you're watching, <laughs> give us a call. It's funny. I sent them their management a, a letter saying, Hey, you know, this is us. If you, if you need help with getting the guys in shape or keeping them mentally sober and all this stuff, I'm like, call us. Right. I mean, they haven't called yet, but I always put that out to the universe of maybe they will. <laughs> right but, um, life is good, right? Yes. I really appreciate you doing this. Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, until next time, guys, keep watching these podcasts. Please share them on your social media pages and um, we'll see you next time. Take care.